Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other five. We've been reading in the parables of Jesus this fall. Some 70 or so parables that Jesus told or illustrations or uh, something that Jesus used from life to uh, teach a story. And those parables are unique. They're different. They have a lot of variety in them. They're colorful. In fact, I wrote in my notes this week that the parables of Jesus, they're perfect for fall time because they're so beautiful and so colorful like the leaves of the tree. It's this time of year that I just kind of feel like breaking out in the song for the beauty of the earth. But don't worry, I'm not going to do that this morning. I might sometime. We have a beautiful world and a lot to be thankful for. So maybe it's fitting this morning that our parable today is a parable about being thankful. I want to talk to you about being thankful today about your salvation and about the gift of God that He offers to you. And many of you, most of you have accepted that gift, but maybe there's some here today that haven't yet and have thought about it and they're thinking about it. And I just want you to realize this morning on both sides of that question how precious the gift of God's salvation is. For the message that we have today comes out of a story that Jesus told, a parable, but wrapped around that parable is a true story that took place that Jesus used to illustrate something. Some people say it's a parable within a parable, except it's really a parable within a true story. Both sides of this could stand on its own as a great picture of thanksgiving for the heart. And together, as Jesus uniquely wound them together and is described in the Gospel of Luke, they, it's almost like a, a double punch of, of the importance and the meaning of salvation. The parable within a story. It took place in the life of Jesus in an evening where Jesus told a story to teach a lesson and it arose out of an interaction and the thoughts and the comments of the people that were there. Wow. Jesus is an amazing teacher. And He weaves truth sometimes through the, the, the actual details of somebody's life and then gives us something that is so, as we sing about and I read in the opening scripture, it almost seems indescribable gift of God. The parable is about two debtors who owed money and a money lender and the money lender's generosity. That parable is told in the middle of an actual story of a woman who who. Uh, anointed Jesus' feet with oil from an alabaster jar. So you have this woman who has come in and is anointing and washing Jesus' feet literally with her hair. And Jesus in the middle of that tells this story. Luke chapter 7 tells both of these together. 
And if you want to read along in your Bible or on your phone or a Bible in front of you, I want to invite you. This really is a precious story. If you want to read along with me, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Luke chapter 7. If anybody in our church does not have a Bible, and you would like one, would you please tell me that? We have some Bibles that we have purchased and we want to give to anyone who needs a Bible. If you would like a Bible, would you please let me know that? And I'll make sure that you get one. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on the feet of Jesus. Wow. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Same question I want to ask you today to consider the next 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her hair, with her tears, and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The story begins with a dinner invitation. One of those Pharisees that had interacted with Jesus probably many times, and Jesus probably knew him fairly well, had invited Jesus to come to his house. That would have been a very normal thing to happen. The religious leaders the rabbis, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they all interacted and, and uh, they all ate and uh, they came to each other's houses and sometimes it was like more like a business appointment. You came to discuss theology or discuss a problem or discuss something that was uh, important to the Jewish faith and what they believed and how they lived it out and the rules and the laws and all those things and and uh, so it wasn't unusual that Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house. 
Likely, Jesus went to a Pharisee's house often, many different people. Jesus interacted with a lot of Pharisees. Jesus, of course, was a teacher. He was seen as a rabbi by this time, and he interacted continuously with other religious leaders. I tend to think that Jesus always had conflict with the Pharisees, but that's really not true. That's kind of a a mindset because of the negative things we find about Pharisees at times in the Gospels, but it wasn't all the time, and Jesus had Pharisees that he probably considered his friends, and he talked to them, and he interacted with them. And that seems to be the case here. We don't know a whole lot about, but this is an actual story. This part is not the parable, but Jesus went to the house of a Pharisee to eat with him, to have dinner, to enjoy being with him. And apparently there was quite a few people that were there. This wasn't just the Pharisee and Jesus, or the Pharisee and his family and Jesus. This was a lot of people. Maybe Jesus' disciples with him. For poss- We certainly know there were other Pharisees that were there. There were other people. There was probably a fairly large crowd. Uh, one, this occasion, on this occasion, Jesus um, at the Pharisee's home. Well, what happens? It's at the home of Simon. And it looks to be like it's a, a, an important occasion. And dinner has been prepared. The Pharisee's family, probably his wife, and whoever the servants, whoever are, have prepared a nice dinner. And uh, they want to probably impress Jesus, and it's a sign of friendship. And so you have Simon there. Simon is the Pharisee, and uh, I think he's sincere. It seems like throughout this story that Simon is is wrong about something, but he's sincere. Um, And Jesus is going to use this opportunity. The house of Simon, a friend of Jesus, but... As always with Jesus, no matter what he's doing, things interrupt him. And uh, in this large gathering, that maybe started out small, but it was getting bigger and bigger as the, as the time went on. And Jesus uses what happens at this party or this dinner uh, as a great teaching opportunity. I think there are so many places that we could just, if we read through the Gospels, we, okay, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one. Jesus uses what happens in life as a teaching opportunity. And that's what he does here. Jesus watches, he hears, he observes, and boy, in his heart comes out such truth. You see, because on this dinner occasion, maybe that was kind of planned and scripted by the Pharisee, this sudden, unexpected interruption. I mean, They left the door unlocked. And, you know, as I often say to people, if you leave your door unlocked, you never know when I might come. So be careful. So they have this dinner. They have all these people there. You know, probably all the religious leaders in the area, in this town anyway. And it was a a good time. I mean, this is before Jesus is having a whole lot of conflict, as recorded at least in Luke. And and, uh, (coughs) suddenly there's this, This unexpected interruption. A woman comes in carrying an alabaster jar. I don't know that she knocked on the door. It would seem that maybe she just came in. You know, she just came in. Because I'm thinking if she would have knocked at the door and Simon's wife would have went to the door to see who it was and and she, Simon, she's out there. 
Well, don't let her in, whatever you do. But somehow she got in. I'm thinking she just came in. And what does she do? She, she carries that jar, however big or small it is, and she just comes through the house into the area where they're eating and falls down on the floor in front of Jesus and begins to cry. And her tears are just streaming out. She's weeping. She takes the jar and breaks it. Pours out this expensive oil. At least it's probably pretty expensive. This jar and pours it out on Jesus' feet. All, all the time her tears are coming down. And she takes her long hair and she's, she's washing Jesus' feet with oil from an alabaster jar. I mean, she's on the floor like almost like a, like a dog. But she's crying and she's... It's just everything coming out. Why? What? How? Washing Jesus' feet. You see, this woman was a known woman. It wasn't just somebody that kind of neutral, somebody's wife in the Sanhedrin, or somebody that had a problem and got over it. No. This was a known woman from the town that Simon lived in. She was from the town, it says in the text. She was a sinful woman. This is Luke telling that as he wrote the Gospel of Luke. He says, the woman from the town was a sinful woman. Those three words, of course, we read between the lines of what that meant. This woman was not just, you know, a little outside the box. This woman was intentionally and, and, and uh, knowingly a sinful woman. That's simple. But we do know about her because how the story develops that she also was a repentant woman. And somehow she had interacted with Jesus and heard the truth of the story of Jesus and heard His teaching and she responded to it. She responded to the words of Jesus. And so she was attracted to this master teacher, not in a, not in a, a sexual way, attracted in a way that Somebody is winsome and full of truth and you want to hear them more. And so she comes and finds Jesus. She even comes in the house of the, the town Pharisee. She just comes in. She's a woman who loved Jesus. She had something in her heart of great love for Him. I think of all the things that could have could have occupied her mind, this sinful woman. I'm thinking of all the things that she could be doing instead of coming in and falling down at Jesus' feet and washing His feet with her hair. I'm thinking of all the things that sometimes people do when, when we have sin in our lives and we don't do what this woman does. And I'm thinking what she could have been with her past. I understand from the context of this story that this woman had quite a reputation. I'm guessing also that she had quite a bit of pain. Quite a bit of hurt over the years of her life and 
the circumstances and the stories that had been known and circulated and the things maybe that she had done. And it just seemed like it was all too much and, and overwhelming. So you, you have this sinful woman. And I could see her in a different role than now. She could have been occupied with her past. She really could have had in her heart this, this uh, thinking and this that, you know how I have messed up so much and boy am I dirty and boy am I, I am away from God and I've not done what God wants me to do and I've done it for a long time and everybody knows it and she could have just kind of lived in the past and been occupied with her past sin and, and never done anything about it. She could be living that way, thinking, I've done too much. I've gone too far. I've gone over too many lines. God would never care about me or accept me. She could have had that attitude and that thought. In fact, some people do. Some people, either from a lifestyle of sin or a choice that they make or something that they've done and they know that they have separated themselves from God and they've drawn away and pulled away or they've never known God, but over time they've heard parts of the gospel and they hear how how God wants them to repent, but it seems like they've gone too far. People have told me that. People in the church have told me that over 35 years. Pastor, I've done too many things. Pastor, there's no way that God could forgive me. That could have been her battle and her struggle. But no, she was there at the feet of Jesus. She could have been living with the destructiveness of her life and focusing on whatever had happened, whoever she had hurt, whoever hurt her, whatever brokenness was left behind. She could have been there instead of at the feet of Jesus. She could have been living with great bitterness, small bitterness, large bitterness, having a hardness in her heart because of her past and maybe how people had treated her. Maybe because she knew the thing she did was wrong. She wished she could change it, but she couldn't and she's not going to go back to it. But she lives with this bitterness down inside. Instead, she came to the feet of Jesus. She could have lived in her regrets. You know what I mean? Oh, if I just would have done it different when I was 14. If I would have listened. If I would have stopped. If I wouldn't have been so hard-hearted and sarcastic. and If I wouldn't have been such a know-it-all. Regrets. Yeah, if, if my husband wouldn't have treated me that way, we wouldn't be here now. And living with that. Maybe living with excuses. Well, the reason I'm that way is because of how he treated me. Or how my parents treated me. I don't know why and what this woman's sinful life is. I'm just guessing as you are. But whatever it is, she wasn't living in that past. Instead, she was coming to the feet of Jesus. She could have lived with depression and hung on to it. You could have lived her life with her face looking down in shame and guilt. 
She could have been self-destructive. But she was at the feet of Jesus. She could have attacked others. Hiding in shame. All these this woman could have been. But instead, I'll give you three words to describe what she was. Number one, she was thankful. She was thankful that Jesus loved her. And Jesus understood her sin. And Jesus knew all about it. It's not like Jesus, well, I don't know much about her, but we'll kind of let her by. She seems okay. (laughs) The Pharisees didn't need to tell Jesus that she was a sinful woman. He knew it. He knew it already. And she knew that he knew. And yet he loved her somewhere in the past. We don't know that part of the story. But there she is coming, falling at the feet of Jesus with such thankfulness. Not self-pity, not excuses, not blaming anybody else, but she comes to the feet of Jesus with a thankful heart. She comes with a loving heart. It just comes out of her. I, I mean, this, is, this isn't the parable. This is a story. She is just crying. I don't know what all came out of her at that moment of whatever. But oh, she has such love for Jesus. Maybe the knowledge that Jesus was able to forgive her and loved her anyway, no matter what had happened in her life. And then giving. I don't know about the alabaster. They say alabaster can be very expensive or very not expensive, depending on what kind of jar you have and how big it is and what, it's, what kind of stone it's made from and, and all those things. And the perfume can be very expensive. I mean, that's one of the gifts that the, the wise men brought to Jesus at His birth. It would have been the perfume. Some kind of perfume. And she came. I don't know if she had any money or she gave, she gave all her money for this alabaster gift. I don't know, but she brings it. He gives it to Jesus. All of us have tough things in our lives. All of us have sin in our lives. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a single one of us who can stand before God and say, God, I don't have any sin in my life. The question is, what is your heart about sin? And do you bring it to Jesus? his feet or do you sit back like I'm afraid some of those Pharisees were doing at times and just kind of sit back and say I don't have any sin meanwhile we're told here the Pharisees are watching the Pharisees are watching I could just see them first I, I would imagine they're pretty I'm guessing they're pretty happy that Jesus came to their house, his house, Simon's house. I mean, it kind of makes Simon look good. You know, if Jesus is the popular rabbi out there and everybody loves him, you know, oh, well, maybe he'll come out and people will, you know, they'll. So first they're sitting there at the table and they're thinking, wow, this is pretty neat. Jesus is here. And then, 
you know, the door opens and they hear footsteps and well, we thought all the guests were here. And then they turn and here this woman comes in. Wow. Wow. I don't know if she dressed up for the occasion or not. You know how I feel like, I know this sounds a little much and it probably is, but I don't care what you wear to church. I really don't. I know that probably shocks some of you. Maybe, maybe not. I kind of, I don't wear shorts because my legs look really bad anyway, but it doesn't matter what you wear on the outside. No, no, no. But it sure matters where you're at on the inside. And this woman, she just comes in. She doesn't worry about what other people are thinking or saying. She's got one thing in her mind, and that is me and Jesus. And boy, she comes in. And, and the Pharisees are watching this. How do you handle your past? Some of you would say, you know, I'm kind of like this woman. I've got a lot in my past. People know it, and some don't know it. And Others of you might say, you know, I've lived a pretty good life, and I've tried to do right and good, but yet when you think about God's holiness, you would have to say, you know what? I have a debt to... The important question, how do you handle your past? But also an important question, how did Jesus handle her past? See, that's part of the teaching moment. Well, we do know that the Pharisees were watching, and we know a little bit about the Pharisees' reaction. Look at verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Boy, this is an interesting to me exchange. He said to himself, but Jesus still answered him. See, Jesus knows what we're thinking. Jesus knows what we're feeling. Jesus knows the struggle. Now, it may be that in this case, well, I am thinking the Scripture says nothing is hidden or will not be revealed. Somehow this amazing God knows our hearts and our minds and our thoughts. I know maybe Simon gave it away too. That's, that's quite likely. If he's like me, sometimes you, you react to things and boy, people kind of know what you're thinking. And maybe he just kind of grunted, you know. Oh. Or maybe he was mumbling to himself about it. Or maybe it just could be the look, you know. But Jesus sees that. And he uses it not to batter the Pharisee. No. Not to beat up on humanity. But he uses the moment to say something very important and deep. And special, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, Simon said. Isn't it amazing how Jesus knows our hearts and our thoughts? Simon, 
I have something to tell you. The teachable moment. And that's where we come to the parable. Two debtors in this parable. One owes a larger debt than the other. You have two debtors and you have a generous moneylender. He forgives both debts. But the amazing thing about this story is that Jesus makes a point to tell us that the first debtor owed 500 denarii. One denarii, I understand, is about a day's wages. So, the first debtor owed about a year and a half of his labor to pay back the moneylender. The second debtor only owed 50. 50. So you have 500 compared to 50. Month and a half. I wrongly typed five. I said five earlier. I meant to say 50. So you have the big debt and the smaller debt. So then Jesus asked uh, Simon, which of these two debtors will love me more? And Simon got the point, And he got it right. He answered correctly. He understood what Jesus was saying, and he says in verse 43, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Oh, and Jesus said, ah, oh, you got that one right. Yep, Simon, now you understand something. Something going on in your heart and your spirit as you watch this woman wash my feet, but you understand something deep. Simon got the point. And so our question this morning, I'd like to leave with you two questions, really. One is this. What are you doing about the sin in your past? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you and cleanse you and take it away? Because He's lovingly there to do that. Does your past prevent you from repenting? Is there something about how you handle your feelings and your, your sin that you know separates you from God? And, and that's preventing you from just being like this woman that just pours it out. The alabaster story. I love the alabaster song. Sometimes we sing it. Broken and spilled out. That's what God wants us to be. Not hiding Behind our past. Now, sometimes people hide behind their past, but what they're really doing is, I won't let God deal with it. This woman, she marched right into Simon's house and fell at his feet. Are you grateful for God's grace in your life? I don't know whether you're a 50 or a 500 or a three, or a 10,000. You see, that really doesn't matter. What matters is what have you done with your debt? What have you done with your sin? And have you accepted this incredible, amazing love of God? Would you stand with me, please? There's a very simple chorus. I want to read the words to you. Most of you probably know this chorus. 
We've sung it a long time around the church, and I know it's going to be familiar to you. Go on to the words on the screen. It's very simple. It says, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation. So rich and free. Do you understand how great your salvation is today? I mean, is it a bedrock of who you are, how you respond to God? Oh, be thankful today. Sing this chorus with me. We're going to sing it through two times. I invite you to a heart today of cherishing your salvation and pouring out your love to God, however you do it to Jesus. Just like this woman who uh, unreservedly, I mean, you talk about somebody who was not worried about what people thought. You got it right with God. Sing this with me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me so rich and free. Sing it again. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me salvation so rich and free. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that in this moment if there'd be someone here that has not settled the debt with the money lender. They've held on to that sin, God, maybe because they don't understand what it's done to them or they don't know what to do about it. God, I pray that they would humble themselves and even be like this woman who just came and gave it all to Jesus. That we would understand that sin separates us from God and God wants to have a close relationship with us. Help us, God, to understand what sin is. When we violate Your commandments, when we don't do what You have told us to do, God, it separates us. Some people don't understand that. They don't know that. Some people do know that, but God, they've not repented. I pray, God, there would be a spirit of repentance, a turnaround to say, God, I want to do what you call me to do. I ask you to forgive me. And as this woman was able to come and accept and pour out her thanksgiving to Jesus, that every one of us would be thankful for our salvation today, that it would not be far from our minds, God, in life, in life struggles in life circumstances, that we would have a grateful spirit for that incredible gift, the indescribable gift that you give to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Thank you so much for being here this morning. May God bless you and be with you.